Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hi, this is Alan Monticilio, editor of The Bay. If you listen to this show, you know that we're passionate about local news, about the Bay Area, and that we love working together as a team to make the show. Well, now we're looking for another person to join this team. KQED is looking for a producer for The Bay. This person would work directly with me and with Erica Cruz Guevara every day to make this show that we love so much. This is a full-time job with benefits that will be based here in the Bay Area, and the deadline to apply is December 1st. We'll put a link to the job posting in today's episode notes, and you can also visit kqed.org jobs. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. I'm Alan Monticilio, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. The Bay Area is home to many Afghan and Afghan-American artists. And since the Taliban took power a few months ago, they've been seeing fellow artists in Afghanistan get harassed, persecuted, and even killed. I really see the arts in general as a huge casualty in this war. Today, how Afghan artists in the Bay Area are helping fellow Afghans and what role art can play right now.
Ustad Faridamahwash is one of the most beloved singers in the entire Central Asian region. So she's well known outside of Afghanistan for sure. Chloe Veltman reports on arts and culture for KQED. She came to the US in 1991 by way of Pakistan. She currently lives in the East Bay and she tours the world uh, with her ensemble, her musical ensemble called Voices of Afghanistan. She's saying welcome, welcome, Thank please you. sit down. I was in uh, her dressing room at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts in San Francisco. She was the headline act of an event called Let Her Sing. It's this annual event here in San Francisco that aims to raise awareness about censored and suppressed female voices from around the world. She was sitting in the corner on the couch. And, you know, she's a small person, but she has this huge personality and she makes you feel like you're the only person in the world while she's talking to you. She was saying that she actually started singing and performing over here in the States right around when the Mujahideen were becoming active in Afghanistan, which was... Around. So, you know, we had the translator there, of course, and, uh, um, and there were other people around. Uh, there was even a documentarian there making a documentary about her, so the camera was on us the whole time too. But somehow all of that melted away and it felt like I was just there with her alone. And to hear her talk about what she's been through in her life and also have her reflect on what's going on now with the Taliban coming back into power and what that means for artists. It was it was incredibly powerful. So she says that, you know, it's the Taliban, they've they call themselves an Islamic Emirate now. There's a lot of pain in her heart because they don't value women, they treat and the most amazing thing at one point um, was that she sang me a song, just a cappella right there in her dressing room. I, I have to imagine that was unexpected. How, how did that happen? Well, I simply had asked her if there was a particular song that she reached for in times of trouble, you know, because uh, when I, I met her, it was September and, you know, it had just been a few weeks uh, since the Taliban had seized control. This song um, called Kabul, it's about mothers grieving for their families in this terribly violent world. She was sitting, I think, two or three feet away from me um, as she sang with, and with such an intensity and she didn't take her eyes off me as she was singing. And even though I couldn't understand the lyrics until they were translated for me, I, I just felt such a power in her voice and I, I started crying. Oh, <laughs> 
It doesn't happen to me in interviews. It's a little embarrassing, but I, I'm sure she's used to making people cry with her voice. You know, she is just so angry with the way the Taliban um, treats not just artists, but women. Um, and she's very worried about the fate of both of these groups, particularly with artists. I mean, she fears that they will either have to flee the country if they haven't already uh, or be silenced. Basically, what the Taliban have said is, go get other jobs. If you're an artist, if you're a performer, go get other jobs. And she says that it, it makes her very sad. There's a lot of pain in her heart because of these things. Let's talk a little bit more about that now. So, you know, there are generations of Afghans like Ustad Farida Mahwash who have moved to the U.S. over the years. Uh, and this has included artists fleeing persecution as well. So what exactly is happening to artists in Afghanistan right now? Well, some have managed to get out. For the ones who are currently remaining there, things are very, very tough because the Taliban has a record of torturing and killing artists when they were in power in the 1990s um, because, you know, they view art as a, a form of idolatry, most forms of art, that is. The current leadership has said they're not going to be as hardline as they used to be, but I would say the signs are not encouraging. A um, couple of examples, Taliban militants killed this really beloved comedian and they opened fire at a wedding just in October after demanding that the party stop playing music. Three people were killed and many more were injured. I spoke with um, an immigration attorney who is the founder uh, of this organization called the Artistic Freedom Initiative. His group helps resettle persecuted artists. They've been around for a few years. And he says his office typically processes, you know, between 70 and 90 cases a year from all over the world. But just since August, they've received more than a thousand applications for assistance just from artists trying to flee Afghanistan. There's no special category under the Refugee Assistance Program for artists, even though they're a high-risk group. For many Afghan and Afghan-Americans in the Bay, and we've talked about this in the show before, ever since uh, it was clear that the Taliban were going to take over the country and then they did take over the country, it has been really, really hard to see this happening from afar. There have also been many efforts uh, to help in different ways here in the Bay Area. What has that looked like over the last you know, couple of months, especially as it relates to artists? I have spoken with so many artists with Afghan roots here in the Bay Area, uh, artists who practice all sorts of dif disciplines, music, dance, visual arts, film, literature. And um, I didn't know until I started reporting this story quite how close-knit the community is. And also, even though, for the most part, uh, these artists came here as children, they find themselves in a position now where they are very, very closely involved uh, with the efforts to try and help people from their homeland. And this is showing up in a, on a variety of different fronts in a variety of different ways. My role as an artist is shifting. It's shifting because of the political climate, because of the humanitarian crisis, 
because of what I see happening in the global world, turning their backs against Afghanistan. Samia Karimi is um, an incredible Afghan dancer. She grew up here in the Bay Area, though she recently decamped for Southern California for Ventura. And she uh, basically experienced a massive shift in how she thinks about her art as a result of the present crisis in Afghanistan. And in the past, she told me that, you know, she she would sort of dance prettily on the camera for music videos in the background, for example. I would see that as an opportunity to uplift dance, to collaborate with another artist. But just this week, somebody asked me that and I had to really sit and sit with it and think about, is this the right time for me to put on my dress and <laughs> be a pretty little, you know, pretty little girl in the background of a music video. No, no, I need to, I need to think about how dance can empower women, how dance can empower me to make a difference in my own community. She's been turning down those sorts of offers lately. Uh, she's been teaching an Afghan dance class to students from all over the world. Tashakur, tashakur, salam everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this series called Afghan Dance in Diaspora. And the proceeds from that class, the, the fees that students are paying to take the class on Zoom, those are going towards helping Afghan hip-hop artists escape from her homeland. So that's that's one way that she's been stepping up. She's also been performing uh, in more activist settings, like at the One Billion Rising rally in Los Angeles. So she says basically that the previous way of doing art, of just sort of being pretty, she says those days are gone and, and they're never coming back for her. So I ask all Afghan artists, like, how can you use your art form? You know, how can you how can you be a megaphone for these voices? If these stories don't get heard, then <laughs> I'm afraid history will again be written by the wrong people. So Samia Karimi is using her art and expressing her art in these changing ways to help process what has happened over the last few months in Afghanistan, but also to help people who need help from Afghanistan. Were there other artists you you met who are approaching this differently? Yeah, there, there were some artists I spoke with uh, for, who've basically set their, their artist, artistic practice aside to help. My name is uh, Biz uh, Iqbal. I go by Biz Rassam as my artist name. I've been in the United States uh, for 40 years, uh, which is kind of hard to believe. He's a visual artist, beautiful painter, and he's basically saying at this point, helping people in Afghanistan is nothing to do with art. I don't think about Afghanistan or Afghans as artists. I think of Afghans and the country struggling at the root levels of power, the struggles of whatever, all that complexity of war and this and that. Uh, so it, it's really not a fight for the artists or the arts or anything. He has military contacts. He uh, has been, since 2005, he sort of spent a period of his life going back to Afghanistan. He was helping the US government as sort of a cultural advisor and translator and stuff. So he's specifically been using those military contacts since the summer to help get something like 
50 people um, in contact with the US government to try and get them uh, out of the country. And so I took that list and I forwarded, luckily because I had contacts with the military, I was able to forward some of these uh, this information to, to, to the people. So it wasn't an artistic thing yeah. at all. Oh. It was just a logistical, uh, practical uh, thing. So that's two examples of Afghan artists in the Bay Area. I know there were many more you spoke with. But what's the role of art for people arriving in, in the Bay Area and in Northern California now or over the past couple months? Yeah, so you'd think that art really would not be a consideration at all for people who are fleeing oppression and are arriving here with, you know, maybe just a suitcase and hardly any money and their important considerations to do with, you know, housing, education for children, how to make a living. I mean, all, all of these very, very important questions. But um, what I found is that art is still an important part of the transition process into this country. And um, it's an incredibly important tool to help people who've newly arrived and have experienced a lot of trauma heal or begin to heal. <laughs> I connected with an organization called Art Together. They're based in Oakland. It's a non-profit. What they do is they work with newly arrived immigrants from around the world um, on these sort of practical art making workshops. The thing about um, about about this activity, according to Levazand, who's the executive director of Art Together, is that it allows people to meet each other and realize they're not alone in the world while they're doing things with their hands. Five minutes into the class, they start talking about the flashbacks that they have about like explosion or the hunger that they face. It kind of opens them up and allows them to make new friends and begin to start sharing stories about what they've been through. That's why it's such a powerful tool and why you can't leave art and culture out of the equation when you think about something like resettlement. I mean, it's not a nice to have, actually. It's a need to have in many respects. We, we try to use art and our program as an excuse to bring community members together. Let's get together today. Let's do art activity. But at the same time, let's share resources. Let's talk to each other. Let's figure out who's knowing who, what is the program, what is like, is there any apartment available in your complex you're living? What kind of donation we can give to, the, to those families? What are the needs? It's been about three months since the Taliban took over Kabul and completing their takeover of the country. In many ways, I would say that this story has kind of left the news cycle, or maybe it's just kind of a secondary item in the news cycle, uh, at least here in the United States. Obviously, for people in Afghanistan and for the many Afghan and Afghan Americans uh, across the U.S., in the Bay Area especially, this is still very much top of mind. What are the big questions and challenges that, that you're thinking about looking ahead? Well, I mean, one thing, of course, is the Bay Area, you know, has traditionally had one of the biggest um, communities of, of, of Afghan immigrants in the country. Because the Bay Area is so expensive at this point to live in, it seems like this new wave, there aren't that many people moving here to the Bay Area. My sense is there's a, a relatively small number uh, compared with the previous waves, for example. And that, you know, poses some interesting questions when you think about, well, what does the future of Afghan culture in the, in the diaspora in the United States look like?
you know, like everywhere, culture plays an incredibly important role in healing, in creating a sense of identity. And this is something that will never die. If you take culture out of the conversation, if you take the arts out of the conversation, then you're missing this huge piece. You know, you, people cannot process trauma. And, you know, I don't think it's any accident that you have artists who are stepping up in this way here in the Bay Area to help people thousands and thousands of miles away. I mean, it's it's just a group of people who are incredibly resourceful, incredibly creative and very well networked, particularly in this Afghan community here. Chloe, thank you. It's a real pleasure. Thanks, Alan. That's it for the show today. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend about it. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss the next episode. Chloe Veltman is an arts and culture reporter for KQED. The song you're hearing right now is by Kabul Dreams, a rock band formed in Afghanistan in 2008. They've been based in Oakland since 2013. This episode was cut and produced by me, Alan Montesilio. I also added the music, Raquel Maria Dillon added the tape, and we also got production help from Erica Cruz Guevara. I'm Alan Montecilio. ECG will be back on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area, its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures, then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.